This is the APS China Quarterly, April 2020. China Politics in the Age of the Coronavirus by Tan Kong Yam. Most Serious Challenge The coronavirus crisis is the most serious challenge to the Chinese Communist Party's performance-based legitimacy since the 1989 Tiananmen incident. The most serious incident in this crisis was when Dr. Li Wenliang, the whistleblower doctor widely seen by Chinese citizens as being unfairly silenced for sounding the alarm among healthcare colleagues, died at 2.58 a.m. on February 7th. Chinese social media exploded into uncontrolled anger. By 11.16 p.m. on February 6th, hours before official confirmation of this death, Social media platform Weibo saw 20 million searches, 540 million hits, and 730,000 discussion notes about Dr. Li's death. The pressure on the government must have been immense. On January 28th, President Xi told World Health Organization Director General Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus that he was personally in charge of the anti-coronavirus operation. The unprecedented lockdown in Wuhan was announced on January 23rd. Since then, extremely draconian measures affecting over 500 million of China's population were implemented. In retrospect, this unprecedentedly bold and draconian move turned out to mark the critical turning point in stopping the spread of the coronavirus on its track. By early March, COVID-19 cases in China have come down. More crucially, The cases have exploded in the EU and US, and the situations there have been poorly managed. Turning the Tide By early March, there were still residual criticisms of President Xi, but the tide had turned. The official media machinery headed by Wang Huning has cleverly allowed the population to vent off some steam during the tense period in February. For example, Dr. Li was included in the honor list of heroes that contributed to the national fight against the virus. The Wuhan local government has also publicly apologized. These moves helped to soothe the public's anger. By early March, even notable liberals, who have been critical of Xi in private, as well as the intellectuals who have criticized Xi publicly, had gone silent. For President Xi, the key lesson to take away from China's worst virus outbreak in modern history was, centralized control works and more is needed. Xi shared this conclusion in an unprecedented conference call with 170,000 officials on February 24th. In this call, according to excerpts released by state-run media, he defended the ruling party's judgment as accurate and argued that the outbreak demonstrates the remarkable advantages of the leadership of the Communist Party of China and the socialist system with Chinese characteristics. By early March, Chinese public opinion of Beijing's response to the new coronavirus had undergone a dramatic reversal in the weeks since the epidemic began, with online comments turning from bitter criticism into loud applause. These swings suggest that the successful control of the spread of the virus, as well as Beijing's employment of methods to influence online public comment, such as planting its own messages on the web and presenting them as independent opinion, has helped to turn the tide. On March 2nd, Xi visited a military medical research center and Xinhua University's medical research center. 
prominently broadcast on CCTV News, the announcement particularly highlighted the two vice chairmen of the Central Military Commission who accompanied him, Xu Qiliang and Zhang Yuxia. The cameras focused on these two military generals, staying very close to Xi throughout the trip. It was a subtle message to the other factional leaders attempting to undermine his position. On March 10th, Xi finally arrived at the epidemic's ground zero, Wuhan. It was a victory parade. His visit to the Donghu new town went smoothly. Residents waved and cheered. It was partly genuine relief that the coronavirus lockdown has eased. To pacify residents, local officials distributed meat, sent police officers to neighborhoods beforehand for safety inspections of apartments, and advised residents to be cooperative. Xi's visit was intended to pacify the people after 48 days of lockdown and sacrifices, heralding the stabilization of the coronavirus situation, and that it was time to get back to work and revive the economy. Future Trends As it turned out after the Asian financial crisis of 1998, the September 11th attack of 2001, and the global financial crisis of 2008, after the dust of the COVID-19 crisis of 2020 settles, China's global geopolitical position will likely move up a notch or two. One of the most robust findings in the study of Chinese politics is that citizen anger over corruption or abuse of power is often directed at local officials rather than the central government. Senior party leadership tends to enjoy very high levels of trust. The party's narrative of Xi, that he is leading the people's war against COVID-19, has strong historical and cultural resonance and dominates all Chinese state media. Most Western analysts have concluded that the successful control of the coronavirus in China amidst Western fumbling will result in the likely outcome of not only Chinese President Xi Jinping remaining in power, but also the Chinese Communist Party emerging bigger and stronger despite the current economic challenges. There is an increasing sense that a strong and perhaps authoritarian CCP will emerge in the wake of the virus outbreak, because such a system is not without its benefits as demonstrated by COVID-19. A political system with a strong center can tackle and overcome crises more expediently than other systems, and it may even continue at a new expanded level after the crisis fades away. While this is likely to be the trend over the next two years, the medium to long-term trend could witness a steady transition from a hard to soft authoritarian model, especially in the post-Xi era. There is another way for the party to rule, what we might call the participatory model. During Hu Jintao's tenure from 2002 to 2012, it was an evolving and participatory model. While the party remained in absolute control, civil society was allowed some space to develop. The government was more transparent about its activities and invited citizens to take part in policymaking. Journalists, human rights lawyers, and non-governmental organizations were allowed some scope for checking on the government. Non-governmental institutions were empowered within boundaries. Guangdong province under Wang Yang was even experimenting with elections for local village heads. Unlike commoners such as Hu Jintao and Wen Jiaobao, a second-generation princeling like Xi has a natural propensity to take advantage of his red genetic endowment and focus on the party, the military, and state-owned enterprises. 
These are the institutions that are the foundation of his political support, especially when he was initially new in his position. Ironically, with the recent consolidation of power and greater confidence, and weathering both the backlash from the US, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, as well as the initial rage against the party during the outbreak, she would be in a better position to resurrect some of Hu Jintao's softer authoritarian approaches. As it is impossible to pierce through the secretive political maneuvering in Zhongnanhai, what would be the indicators for such gradual political transformation? During the upcoming leadership transition in 2022, these would be the signs of an evolutionary trend towards a softer authoritarian model. 1. If Wang Yang is selected as the new premier or 2. If Chen Miner is designated as the heir apparent to Xi with Hu Chunhua placed in line for the position of premier or 3. If Xi's liberal chief of staff, Ding Xuexiang, is given a major position in the upcoming PSC or a combination thereof. While Xi will still likely rule for the period of 2022 to 2027, it is not clear that the post-Xi era soon after will continue along a similar trajectory. The Cultural Revolution Red Guards like Xi, as well as the second-generation princelings of the Long March generation, will likely fade from the political scene. The Red Genes will be much diluted in the third generation, who are keener on business anyway. It is likely that the liberalization trend spearheaded during the Hu Jintao era from 2002 to 2012 will re-emerge. To the extent that this assessment is correct, Global geopolitics, particularly the critical Sino-U.S. relationship, will embark on a new trajectory. Professor Tan Kong Yam is a founding member and deputy chairman China of APS Asset Management. He is also professor of economics at the Nanyang Technological University. He serves as a board member at the Changyi Airport Group, from 2015 to present. From 1985 to 1988, he was the chief assistant to Dr. Gokeng Sui, the late deputy prime minister of Singapore, who was invited by Mr. Deng Xiaoping to advise China on economic development strategy. From June 2002 to June 2005, he was a senior economist at the World Bank office in Beijing. In 2004, he was a member of the World Bank Expert Group on the 11th Five-Year Plan from 2006 to 2010 for the State Council in China. He served as the Chief Economist of the Singapore Government from 1999 to 2002.